We're going to take uh, and finish the Sunday, our study of God for now. There's no place to ever end that subject. We never dealt with the Trinity. We've not dealt with a lot of subjects. But we're going to start 2 Corinthians in about two weeks uh, on Sunday morning. But uh, today, I want to simply speak on the subject, God, will you trust him? Jerry Bridges has written a book, uh, Trusting God, that I recommend you buy. It's a wonderful book. He's written a little track uh, on can, you can trust God. And uh, I think the issue in our life is not if you can, but will you? Do you? Uh, it's quite amazing that you become a believer by faith and you can spend the rest of your time being a nervous wreck because you may not trust him daily. And perhaps you don't know any Christians that are nervous wrecks or they're always fretting about something, someone or something. Well, let's look at Psalm 56 just as a beginning. Will you trust God? Psalm 56 let me uh, uh, set up Psalms 56 for you. David is fleeing Saul. Saul wants to kill him. Ever since he was anointed, it seems like to be the king of Israel, he's had to run for his life. And so he's on the run. He's running. He doesn't have his 400 men that join him in the cave of Adullam. He's by himself. He goes by a place called Nob, and there's a priest there, and David's hungry. And David asked, could I have any bread? Is there anything to eat? And he said, only the shoe bread that's been uh, consecrated. But he gives him some of that bread. David says, are there any weapons? I have no weapons. Uh, I have nothing to fight with, which is amazing. And the priest said, only, only the sword of Goliath, the one you killed. And there's no sword like it. I can't imagine how much it must have weighed. But anyway, he said, that's all we've got. And so he gives David the sword. David goes from there and is so threatened and so alone, of all places, he visits the hometown of Goliath. He visits Gath. And there the king, is Agish, is there. And he meets the king, and he's surrounded by all these Philistines that want him dead. They know he's the hero of Israel. They know that they know the song. Saul killed his thousand, David's killed his ten thousand, and they're thinking, and he killed our greatest warrior and hero, and now he's fleeing to hide among us. We're gonna kill him. He's not gonna get out of here alive. And it says in First Samuel twenty one twelve. He was afraid. He was afraid. And what does he do? He goes into acting insane. He begins to make saliva go down his face, begins to scratch the wall of the city gate, and begins to act like a madman. And the king is so irritated when they, he finally gets to the king, and the king says, don't I have enough madmen? Why did you bring another one? Kind of like uh, maybe... Congress, I don't know. But he said, anyway, we've got enough madmen. Why are you bring in another one? And so in that, David writes Psalms 34, and he writes Psalms 56. Listen to what he's thinking. And he eventually wrote a song. They sang at Temple 
about his deliverance. Listen to what it says. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Well, in that case, it could have killed him. But he's looking beyond their power to God's. All day long, they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? This is the chorus. I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Look at some complimentary verses. Look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Verse 5. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What to do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're anxious? What do you do when you live in Houston, Texas, and everything you earn and put together is washed away, and you're taking, taking a month to let the waters recede, and all the water around you is poisonous, contaminated with sanitation, with chemicals, uh, it's infested with snakes, with crocodiles. Then Irma hits, and once again, and the Caribbean islands, many have been wiped out, everything they had. Uh, do you suppose any Christians were there? What do you do when they say your child has terminal cancer? What do you do when a father and son make a plane trip, a private plane trip, and it crashes and both are killed and both are wonderful believers? Why didn't God keep the plane in the air? 
Do believers face difficult situations? Do believers ever face divorce? Do believers ever look on the grave of one of their children? Do believers ever see a child go astray, a medical report that's not good? Uh, you're going to lose your job next Friday. Be careful of the... We live in a world that if you're half awake, you ought to be nervous all the time. No one knows what another day can bring forth. And into this kind of situation, God's word speaks to his children that there's a place to go when you're afraid, and it's to God and his word. There's a place, some promises to claim when you're anxious. And then we're going to look at the end some promises you can claim for the certain problems that are bound to come to every one of us. So let us, first of all, uh, see David. He's in the enemy's camp. He's running for his life. He's scared to death. And what does he say? When I am afraid, I am going to look to God. And I'm not only going to look to God, I am going to look to his word, his word that I've come to praise. You see, you don't know what God will do for you unless you read his word. What would you do if God had not revealed himself? You, you make up your own God. You make up your definitions. You, you keep saying he's this, he's that, but you don't know what he is unless he talks, and he's talked and recorded it. I don't know you unless you talk to me, and I don't know God unless he talks, and I don't know what he said unless I read it. And so, in the midst of his fear, when I am afraid, which assumes you will have situations to be afraid of, when I am anxious, and you will be anxious, sometimes we face it every morning. You can wake up at 3 in the morning and have your to-do list and 18 things that could be, should be, why isn't it, and worry the rest of the night and not go to sleep. Two things. The psalmist said, I will trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I'm not afraid. So how's it go? When I am, I will run to you. I will run to your word. When I do that, my fears subside. I will not be afraid. When I am afraid, I run to the same source. Psalms teaches us. No one can deliver us in the day of trouble. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be delivered. Uh, so he talks here, confidence in God's word. What will you trust when it says you're going to die? What will you trust when everything seems against you? When you're accounted like sheep for slaughter, as Paul said in Romans 8, what do you do when everything, when you're on a ship headed for Rome and you get in the middle of a Mediterranean storm in Acts 27 and the Spirit, and the Lord shows up, tells Paul, don't be afraid, stay on board, you will go to Rome. One promise stilled his heart, stilled the heart of those men. And so here David is saying, when I am afraid, I run to a God 
who's able to control. He can control what men can do to me. You remember what Jesus said to Pilate? He's standing before Pilate. He's not saying much. And Pilate is interrogating him. And finally, in frustration, Pilate says, you know, you better cooperate. I've got the authority to kill you. And Jesus said, you would have no authority except my Father gave it to you. You're not really ultimately in charge whether I die. My Father's in charge of this. In Acts 2, when Peter preached, he said, Jesus was delivered up by the foreknowledge and determinate will of God. He pulled it off through Gentiles and Jews and hate, but it was all determined by me and my father before I showed up. You men are not ultimately in charge of whether I live or die. It's a terrible thing to live in the fear of death all the time. And Jesus told his disciples, don't fear those that can destroy the body. Destroy him who can destroy the soul in hell. And I'm in charge. It's part of history that Stonewall Jackson was a predestinarian. And he used to say, I'm immortal until God's through with me. Is that true? I'll let the rest of you pray about it. You are immortal until God's through with you. He's determined when you're going to die. He's determined how many days you will live. He's got a distinct purpose in letting you live, and he will fulfill. I, I looked up some verses of how scary it is to know a God that is in charge of everything. Do you mind if I read these to you? Thank you. If I've got to. Oh, listen to this. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Daniel 4.35. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart to all generations. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. 16.9. I was planning to go that way, and I wound up here because God took over the plan. He said, this is where I want you, and I never knew I'd get there. God's got a sovereign plan. It says things like this. There's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So, he keeps saying, quit being afraid of men. They're mere puppets. They're mere stagehands on the stage of history. I am orchestrating what I want to get done. When I am afraid, I will run to God, and I will run to his word, and I will rely on it. Now listen to what Jesus says when he talks to his disciples. Turn with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Here he is offering a divine kingdom, and he, they're going to be his followers. And he says to his followers, I don't want you to be a bunch of nervous wrecks. I don't want you to be uh, recommending me because you're having a nervous breakdown. 
I don't want you to have anxiety. No anxiety allowed. Are you aware that in America, we spend billions of dollars on prescription drugs to control all of our moods? Depression, uh, this, a pill to get up, a pill to sleep at night, a pill for this. We're the most medicated people in the world. The most medicated and yet the most prosperous. What's the connection? People are strung out because they're worried. Uh, is North Korea going to bomb us? Uh, what, what is going to happen in Afghanistan? Well, is Trump going to build a wall? What, what's Trump going to say next that just brings unity? What's going to happen next? Is politics going to do it? What, what are you in charge of? California's trying its best to become an independent nation and tell Washington, D.C., do whatever you want. We're going to do what we want. Nobody's telling us what to do because we're a big state and we'll tax the daylights out of everybody to carry through our policy. So people are moving to Texas. Therefore, verse 25, what Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Don't worry. You're of more value than food, drink, and clothing. Is it not amazing how much time you could spend worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear? One-third of your life is spent sleeping, and some of you spend more. And the rest of it is worried about, you know, I said this morning, I finally, I got to go. Because the, the closet did not have the exact garment they were looking for. Do any of you have any clothes you don't wear? Why? Why don't you give them away? You know our biggest problem going shopping? We don't have any room to keep it. We're stuffed. I've got three closets full of clothes. i got enough clothes for 10 people. And then I say, don't buy me any more shirts. Don't, don't give me another sweater. I'll take money. <laughs> I like cash. Get me something, but don't give me another shirt. And Jesus says, do not worry. You're more value than food, drink, and clothing. Two, do not worry. Watch this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I know. They pick off my apricots. Are you not much more valuable than they? Lesser to greater. If he takes care of birds, 
that are here and gone and have no eternal value that his son never did die for, won't he take much more care of you? See, it's a, I'm, I'm, you're comparing the lesser with the greater. Three, verse 27, do not worry. It's a worthless activity. Look at verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Some translations, can you add a cubic or 18 inches to your growth? So it's either add to your physical stature or some take it, add another moment. What do you have to show for your worry? That's what Jesus is saying. Worrying yields zero. Why waste your time doing it? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And what was their problem? You of little faith. Little faith always gives birth to anxiety and fear. If you're not trusting God, you're doubting God. If you're not trusting God, you're going to be anxious. If you're not trusting God, you're going to be fearful. And Hebrews 3.13 says, Beware of the deceitfulness of sin, because when unbelief sets in your heart about God, your heart will become hard it would become insensitive to the things of God and you will be consumed by an unbelieving heart. And God says, we walk by faith. We walk by faith. And faith is nourished on the words of God, not on your surroundings, not on TV, not on all the texting. It's nourished on the word of God, which David said, I praise. God gave me a word. The only word he had when he was at Gath was Samuel told me when I was a 14-year-old boy, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. I'm counting on it. King, you can't kill me. I'm the next king of Israel. That's the only word he had, but he clung to it. He clung to it. Do not worry. God will care for you more than flowers. Do not worry. Your Father knows what you need. Verse 31, he goes on. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Isn't that powerful? I don't want you to act like you don't have a father. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm treading on dangerous ground. I see how some of you take care of pets. Pet insurance, pet hospital, pet babysitting, pet food, pet collar. I mean, it's pet, pet, pet. And don't dare talk about my dog or my little cat. I'm not. 
But if you care that much for an animal, how much more do you think God cares for you? I mean, God sent his son to die for you. He did not die for old Shep. Let's move on. I want to get out alive. Finally, make God, God's interest your interest, and he'll take care of you. But seek first his kingdom, and I won't take care of you. No, no. But first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that you've been worrying about will be given to you as well. He said one place, houses, lands, mothers, and fathers. You would not have given up anything for my name's sake, but what I won't compensate you far and above. Ask yourself, what sacrifice have you ever made for the cause of Jesus Christ that he didn't reward you over and over for? Think of it. It's the stingy that have nothing to talk about. Those who've been gracious, those who've been givers, those who have put God's interests first, they're the ones that's got a testimony. Finally, he says, don't worry God will never put more on you in a day than you can bear. Notice verse 33. 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. And worry is primarily a divided mind that you're here today, but you're thinking about tomorrow, so it's divided. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So God is saying, uh, I'm sufficient for you today. Lamentation said there will be new mercies every day for us, new mercies for that day. He said in 1 Corinthians 10, I'll never put more on you than you're able to bear, but I will make a way of, temptation, uh, of deliverance that you may be delivered, that you may bear it, that you may come out. There will be enough strength. I don't give you enough grace for the month. I give you enough grace for now. Do you ever think about how will I act when it's time to die? Will I be worried? Will I be panicked? Guess what? God will give you dying grace when it's your time to die. There won't be that grace until you're going to die. So don't worry about how you're going to die. Or you might die of worrying. His grace is sufficient for the assignment, right? His grace is sufficient. And I don't think God is ever any closer to a saint than when they're dying. Because he said, I'll be with you in the shadows. Now, where do you go when you're afraid and when you're anxious? David said, I go to God and I go to his word. Uh, let me give you 11 promises that may help you. Just write down the verses, and it may help you. I'm going to name the different categories that these verses minister to my heart, but you just write the verse down, and you can look them up maybe a little later. Uh, I have, uh, in particular, three verses that brought me to this church 
and it sustained me. We've used them many years. We use them at anniversaries. But it's really true. Let, let me tell you the story. It's about May of 1971. I'm living in Fresno, California on East McKinley. I'm going to seminary there. I'm doing Greek homework on a Thursday night. And all of a sudden, God begins to deal with my heart to come north, start a church. And so while I'm, I'm wrestling with this, and, and uh, these thoughts are going uh, in my mind, all of a sudden, uh, this little refrain, no weapon formed against you. Uh, I had to get a Bible concordance because I didn't know where this was. I'd never heard of it. But I thought, this, frame, this refrain just kept, no weapon formed against you. So I get the concordance, find it in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Uh, let me read it to you. Uh, and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, saith the Lord. And that, that right there, I was hearing God say, you go, you obey, and I'll handle all critics, all enemies, every weapon the enemy has to keep you from this mission. I promise you they won't prosper against you. That gave me confidence. Then he gave me Revelation 3.8. Behold, I set before you an open door that no man can shut. For I know that you have uh, kept my word. You've not denied my name. And I know you have just a little bit of strength. But I'll be your doorkeeper. I'll be the doorkeeper. I'll open it and nobody can shut it. And so 46 years this October he has opened the door here and kept it open. He is, he's been the doorkeeper. And that gave me courage to come. Then, uh, in the midst of all of it, since I had no money, and I never did in those days, I was always broke, uh, just living on the edge all the time. I said, Lord, we got a baby due. Uh, if I go up there, uh, I'm leaving this uh, denomination I've been in. Uh, what do I do? Uh, uh, my wife was trying to get me to get a job at a, a department store. How are we going to pay for this second baby? Uh, where are we going to get the money for the rent? Where we, you know, money, uh, it, it's, uh, the love of it is the source of all evil, but the lack of it sure gives some problems too. I love what Joe Lewis said. He said, I don't love money, but it sure soothes my nerves. And uh, so I'm wondering, where's the cash flow? The Howards say we don't inherit wealth. That's kind of an in-house statement. I'm hoping David will leave me some money. But pray for me. That's, that's empty hope, I think. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't inherit wealth. There's no money. God said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I used to, in those days, I typed on a little half sheet all my debts. I didn't have much money. I didn't have a lot of debt. But I'd type it there. But I'd put at the top of it, 
Philippians 4.19, God's checkbook for bankrupt Christians. I don't have any money. I just got a promise. I will supply all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. And I list my bills. I've got a personal file at home. I've kept many of those lists. And I could show them to you. You'd laugh. They're so small. But I had no money. I had no money. But I had a promise. When I'm afraid, I run to that promise. When I was anxious, I run to that promise. But you promised. But you promised. I'm standing on your word. A board didn't call me the valley. There was nobody here. I started with Virginia, my wife. Deborah was two, a sister Hazel. That was it. My mom and dad attended, but those women were the ones that could do something. So this church started with one man and a bunch of women. Well, three women and a little girl. There's nobody. Brother wasn't in church at that time. I had no one. I thought my dad's going to back me. Came down with cancer and died. It was our first funeral in the church. Died within months of starting the church. All I had was God, as though he's not enough. I'm telling you, by the grace of God, I'm still here, and the bills got paid because God keeps his promise. God keeps promises. Can you trust him? Will you trust him? Um, when unbelief attacks my heart and I want to run, I listen to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Isaiah 41.10. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will keep. Are you with me? I told you I am with you. I will be with you to the end of the age. He either will or he's a liar. And never dare call this God a liar. You've been running with liars and you live with a liar. It's called your heart. There's two kinds of people in this world, those who listen to a deceitful heart and those who listen to God. And if you follow your heart, you will always be lied to. It's a deceptive mechanism. Don't put confidence in the heart. Put your trust in his word, his word, his word. When I'm in an evil day and a cloud comes over me that I can't explain of doubt, of dismay, of discouragement, and it comes out of nowhere. He said, he's given me a sword, the sword of the Spirit, which are the utterances of God, a word from God, and in the evil day, I cling to his word, his word. And I do like Luther sometimes, when in prayer, I simply tell the devil, you read it. That's what he said he's going to do. You read it. We got too many opinions and not enough convictions because people aren't experiencing the promises. You stand on the promises, you'll have a testimony. He will keep his word. He cannot lie. 
I'm weary of people that got a feeling, got an emotion. You see, when you're in the midst of enemies, when you're in the midst of people that want to destroy you like David, you can't trust your emotions. Uh, he wasn't blind to the circumstance, but he did not get cave into the emotion. He said, I make a faith choice. I will trust in God, and I will trust in his word. I will not cave into my emotions. The word of God is greater than what I'm feeling. Your feelings are not the absolute. We all have feelings. We all have negative moods. We all have negative days. But if you live by those, you'll be a slave. You must live by the thus saith the word of the Lord. That's why you want to know this Bible and believe it. Don't just say, I'm doing all my three chapters a day for devotion. No, you better have it for the day of battle. You better have it when you're surrounded by the enemy and your heart is caving in. You need a word from God. And you've got, do you think, that's enough? Do you think God's talked any? What well, well, if your sweetheart said, honey, I just thought I'd write you a letter and sent you that? Oh, my. He said, well, I love her, but I don't have time to read it. Oh, man, you got your first whiff of cologne on that? You stayed up all night because you want to read what those that are beloved say to you. God's not talking to you. Listen to this. Where are we? Five, six. When I think my ministry is worthless and accomplishing nothing and I want to give up preaching and teaching, I hear this verse. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 11. My word will accomplish exactly what I want it to do. We've got a few men in this church that believe that's so strong. They've got us on Truth for today, 16 times a week. You don't even know that. We're on KDIA. How many grew up on KDIA, Bouncing Bill? Yes, sir, honey. Well, we're on Bouncing Bill's station. But at 16.40, 5.30 in the morning and 4 o'clock in the evening, you can hear Bouncing Howard. And he's in the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. The sermons from this pulpit are broadcast there. Then KFAX, they just went back on KFAX, 5.30 in the morning, 1,100 on your dial. We're there uh, Monday through Friday. Then on Sunday mornings at 8.30, did you know we're on 16 times a week in one of the most godless areas of the whole nation in the San Francisco Bay Area because there's a few men in this church put up their money and their time because they say, Pastor, it's not you we're promoting. We think the word of God will not return empty. We're going to sow it. And if you want a radio celebrity to sign your Bible, I'll do that after service. You don't need Swindoll. You need Howard. Uh, when my strength seems too little for the tasks and the different assignments, I simply cling to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. And I tell God, 
I'll furnish the weakness if you'll furnish the power. I got the weakness. You got all of it, Lord. Will you supply the power? And he has, and he will. When I'm uh, anxious about a decision in the future and I don't know which way to go, God guides me with Psalms 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Is that, is that good enough? I will instruct you. I will guide you. You're a sheep, and I lead my sheep. They will hear my voice. Do you feel like a dummy in the midst of a world full of enemies? Well, you are. You need a shepherd. And he said, I will guide you. Here's one. Anybody here over 60 that will admit it? Okay. Anybody with gray hair out there? Even though you dye it. Listen to what God said. Even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you. I have done it, and I shall carry you. And I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. Isaiah 46, 4. Even when your hair turns gray, I'm not just the God of the teeny bother and the hip-hop, and you got to be young to be on my agenda. I take care of my people from the cradle to the grave. They don't get too old for me to care for. Uh, I won't abandon you in old age. That's what he's saying, Israel. I'll take care of you even when the gray years come, the walkers come, and the pace slows down. I'm the God for every season. When anxious about dying, I cling to Psalms 23. Don't fear the shadows. I promise I won't bail out in the shadows. I will be with you. I will be with you. When I was first saved, I used to wonder, because I grew up with people that didn't believe you couldn't lose your salvation. But even as a young believer, I clung to Philippians 1, 6. I am confident that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it. So the big issue is, has he ever begun a work in you? Have you ever met him? Or do you just know church talk, church Christianese stuff, and you grew up in church maybe, or you know a few cliches, and now this, that, a hallelujah. And then, has he saved you? If he has saved you, I'm confident of this. If he started with you, he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. Because he knew you were a mess before he ever got started with you. He didn't give up. And along with that was Hebrews 7.25 that says, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He saves forever. Had doubts about your salvation? Wonder if you're going to make it? I'm so weak. I don't know if I'm going to make it. There's another temptation. 
in my early Christian life, we were always talking about a demon and everything. And a demon in a cigarette, a demon in a tree, a demon, demon here, demon there, demon there. And I went to my dear aunt, and I asked her, I said, Auntie, I, I, I'm afraid any time I go through a corner, a, a demon's going to jump on me. I'm scared. I'm spooked out. And she, uh, in her way, uh, she said, honey, honey, get over here. And she was a strong country girl. Got me by the, come here, honey. You had no choice. You were apprehended. She said, there ain't no demons out there going to destroy you. For greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. You now, you're under divine blood protection. You've got to permit to travel through enemy territory because you're being surrounded by the angel of the Lord. For the angel of the Lord encamps around about them who fear his name. I will be with you. And I'm, I tell the devil what to do. The devil doesn't tell God what to do. God's in charge of the devil. We ran with Pentecostals. They're always prophesying demons on us. And one night they prophesied over our family. We're going to be killed. Certain place on the road. And my mom and my sister started yelling when they came to this road. And my dad's driving. And they so stop, Lord. This is where that prophecy said. He said, the car that's going to kill me passed yesterday. I'm under divine escort. I ain't afraid of some zealous sister giving a prophecy at church. I'm under divine escort. You are too. You think God is going to invest the cross, the resurrection in his son to lose you? This is not a God that can lose. He keeps what he saves. If he's begun the work, he'll complete it. He'll complete it. We used to sing a song. It's in our old blue book. We don't use the blue book very much. Uh, But it went this way. The name of the song was, I Know God's Promise is True. And it has a line, I was a wayward, wandering child, a slave to sin and fear, until this blessed promise fell like music on my ear. Tis true. Oh, yes, it is true. God's wonderful promise is true. I've trusted and tested and tried them, and I know God's promise is true. Oh, yes, his promise is true. God's wonderful promise is true. I've trusted and tested and tried them. And I know, I know God's promise is true. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I preached years ago, trust and obey or doubt and pay. It's up to you. There's no reward for doubt. You just have to renew your prescription and worry yourself to death. But he said, 
It's almost insulting your God when he's promised to take care of you. There's no medication. The medication you need is he's prescribed his word for you. And he'll conquer your fears. He'll conquer your worries. I never forget when my wife was dealing with melanoma. And it was scary. And our children were at home. And like most husbands, I was worthless to be able to comfort her like she needed. But in the night, she would read sometimes half a night. And I'd wake up. She'd be reading the Bible in bed. And finally, one of those readings one night, a psalm spoke to her heart. The anxiety subsided. The fear was conquered. And sweet peace came. Because when I am afraid, I will trust in God. When I am afraid, I will trust his word. You have nothing greater or better than what you've got right here in your God. Our Father, there may be some scary people afraid of death, afraid of dying, afraid of all that could happen. It's a scary world. It's scary just to be alive if we start thinking of all the what-ifs. What if? What if? I hear James even say, don't say you'll go here, there, tomorrow, unless you say, if the Lord is willing. We know you're in charge, Lord. Our times are in your hands. The day of our dying, the day of our being birthed, the day of our living, our finances, our health, our children, our grandchildren, the graying years, the years of health going down and youthful strength subsiding, all these seasons. Will you trust God or will we fearfully be anxious? I ask you, Father, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Let us move out of little faith to strong confidence. For you told Joshua, be strong and of courage. I am with you. I hear you in Matthew 28. Behold, I have all the authority necessary. I will be with you on this mission of going to the nations. There might be someone here today, Lord, that they're afraid to die because they will be found guilty. They will be found condemned because they've never fled to Christ by faith. They've never said, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want to receive you. I receive you. I put my faith in you. Only you can save And you can save me from all my fears, all my uh, fretting. You are enough to be a refuge to my troubled heart. Come to Christ, whoever you are, young lady, man, woman, boy or girl. Put faith in the Lord Jesus and you'll find a resting place. You'll find peace for your soul. There is no peace to the wicked only to the one who comes to Jesus. And child of God that's here today, 
I don't know what's going on, Father, in all the lives of these dear people. Bad news, relationships in trouble, checkbooks not balancing, diagnosis not looking good. It's scary, Lord. If we didn't have you, we've got every right to worry. But you said, you've got me. Trust me. Trust my word. And I will flood your heart with a supernatural kind of peace. Come to Christ. Come to God that you may have peace. If there's anyone here today that we can be of any help to, we can't make you come forward, but we'll be available. We want you to know Christ. If you're troubled in heart, I wonder if there's anyone here today that's troubled, and we want to pray for you. If you'll stand where you are, I want to intercede for you. You're anxious. You're being troubled by some issue in life right now, and you kind of feel paralyzed. You stand where you are, and I want to intercede. I want to ask the rest of the church to be praying for you. Is there anyone? that uh, I'm in an anxious moment in my life. I'm in a troubled time, and uh, I need prayer. I need divine help. Wherever you may be, are you here? Okay, okay, okay. Father, you see these precious lives. And you know the various circumstances going on right now. They may feel they're in the midst of enemies that want to do them harm. They may be in the midst of health issues relational issues. You know what's going on in their heart that's fragmenting them. Maybe some even that have never indicated they may be here in search of God, in search of peace. Let the peace of God that passeth all understanding guard their hearts and minds right now as they call on you for help. And as we intercede to you, Lord Jesus, help them Surround their heart with your peace. May they rest in your word and trust you. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.